God is on the move. God is on the move. We don't serve a God that is stagnant. We don't, serve, we don't worship a God who is moving one moment and another moment not moving. He's always on the move. He is always on the move. I don't know who needs to hear that today. Your situation, whatever you're going through, he's on the move. He's on the move. We're gonna, I'm going to try and preach today. I'm going to attempt. George is going to stay with me. All happy birthday, Georgia, for yesterday. It's Georgia's birthday. There's a few other people's birthdays. But um, there you go. But uh, <laughs> I just feel to encourage you, Georgia, right now that although obviously you've had your physical birthday, it's almost like I feel like God's going to be bringing like a spiritual birthday in terms of growth and, and the more that he's got for you and Mr. Thomas Jameson. Um, yeah, God's, God's got a spiritual birthday coming where you're going to go to a new level. I don't know what it looks like, don't know what it means, but he's taking you, he's on the move. He's on the move. Sergeant, he's on the move. All right. Good morning, Neil. It's good to have you with us as well. Hope you're doing well. But uh, if you've got your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn to the book of Mark? The book of Mark, the gospel of Mark. John Mark, his real name, not just Mark, John Mark. There's more people like that than you would know, than you'd think that their names are not actually their names. Like John Hare, his first name's not actually John. Go ask him after the service, find out, see? I'm telling you, there's people everywhere. I just got in big trouble. The book of Mark, the book of Mark, bit of backstory. So Jesus, everyone say Jesus. Jesus has just pulled in to uh, this place called, um, you can correct me after the service if I pronounce this wrong, but Gerasene, the Gerasene land. Now, Jesus has just pulled in. He's just gone through a storm to get to this place. There's a sermon. God, will, Jesus will travel through any storm to get to you. There's a sermon right there. But he's just pulled up and straight away, the Bible says immediately, he is met with a demon-possessed man. Just after he's traveled through a storm on this little boat, He's met with a demon-possessed man. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had just been through a storm on a boat and I pulled into land and I got met with a demon-possessed man, I'd probably be not too, like, get out of my face. I need to go. I just almost died. I'm going to go have a shower, get changed, Maybe tell some people about how I nearly just died, but, but not Jesus. Jesus is met immediately. The Bible says immediately he is met by this demon-possessed man. And Jesus is not worried about, I wonder what were the disciples doing when Jesus was met with this demon-possessed man? I reckon they're still in the boat like, Thomas, I don't know about this. I know you're the one that normally doubts, but now I'm doubting. 
but not Jesus. Jesus is 100% focused on his mission. He's already moving. He's moving onto this this demon-possessed man. And the Bible says that this demon-possessed man had a legion, a legion. We're going to read it in just a moment, but this man had, basically, he had a lot of demons in him. Now, some of you think you know people that have lots of demons in them. Don't nudge them if you think they're next to you. Don't do it. But basically, Jesus casts out these demons into 2,000 pigs. Who's got 2,000 pigs? None of you. But these Gerasian people had 2,000 pigs just running around, and Jesus cast the demons out. And we're going to read some of the Bible because I always, I heard someone say once that even if you preach terribly, at least if you read Bible, the people got something good, at least. So I'm just going to cover myself. Because who knows what's going to happen. Mark chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 15 to 20. We're going to read. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might go with him. And Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And the man went away to proclaim and began to proclaim in Decapolis and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Normally, I find it really easy to come up with a sermon title for my messages, but not this week. This week, I really struggled putting a title to this, what God wants to say. But I I, I, I came up with one for the note takers in the room and for the podcast and stuff. We need a title. Um, So if I was to give this message a title, maybe it would be, What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Let's pray one more time. God, I just thank you that you're in this room. You're going to speak today. I pray that our hearts and our ears would be open to you. Not what we want to hear, but what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you are like me and are susceptible to distractions. Right? Have you ever been distracted? It's rhetorical. Don't have to identify yourself. But I get distracted very easily. Just ask Rhiannon or Lucy or Mama. Or just if, you, if you've known me for five minutes, you probably, yep. Oh, anyway. 
And the worst, one of the worst times to get distracted, in my opinion, is probably while you're driving. Like, if there's times to get distracted, driving is not a good time. And you see, I actually have a bit of a love-hate relationship with driving because I like to drive because I like to be in control, right? This is where we're going. No, that's a silly route to take. We're taking this route. Why would you go that way? I like to be in control. But I also don't like driving because it gets in the way of good convos. Do you know what I mean? Like it gets in the way of a good conversation. Just the other day, we were backing out. Rihanna and I were down the street doing some shopping. And uh, we got in the car to back out of the car park. And we're, in a, we're having a good convo. Don't know what about, but it was good. We're having a chat. Um, and I began to back out. And because the conversation was so good, I forgot to check the mirrors and check the stuff. I just backed out mid-con, you know, having a good convo. And just at the last second, I see this car coming and slam on the brakes and it just keeps going this close, man, this close to getting... I said, Rihanna, it's your fault. You distracted me with good conversation. <laughs> like, don't talk to me. If you don't want to die in a car crash, don't talk to Pastor... If you're in a car with Pastor Greg, don't talk to him because you'll die. Um, no, no jokes. But you know what I mean? It gets in the way of a good conversation. It's easily... And I, I, it's easy to get distracted in this day and age, isn't it? With so many things fighting for our attention all the time. We all know it. That's not revelation. That's not a fresh revelation. We all know that. And um, fair to say that, yeah, when that, when that happened in that moment, all the married men, you know, you get that look from your wife. That look like you better sign us up for that marriage course, hey? Because... Uh, got some issues but I tell you that silly story to emphasize this simple point that it's so easy to get distracted and when we're distracted is when bad things tend to happen when we're distracted we tend to miss things and you see you could look at the passage of scripture that we just read and this story in Mark chapter 5, and you could think that it's just about a man getting healed uh, or getting set free from being demon-possessed and Jesus working this miraculous miracle. But I, I want to look at this story and look at it from another angle and look at the group of people, the Gerasene people who came afterwards and they seem to have gotten a little distracted. They seem to have had their eyes on the wrong thing. Because when the Gerasene people found out that Jesus had cast the demons into their pigs and all the pigs had gone and fell off the cliff and died, they were like angry at Jesus and were telling him to go away. Like, can you, how crazy is that? Go away, Jesus. We read, we read Mark 5.15. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs, they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They had gotten distracted. You see, we've, we've said it. Jesus cast the demons into these pigs, right? And these pigs would have been owned by the Gerasene people, right? 
and they would have been a major part of their economic system in that land, okay? In today's market, Google says, and Google is a very trustworthy source of information, for, breeding, for a breeding pig, for a good quality, genetically sound bloodline breeding pig, you can expect to pay $1,000 for one bit of bacon. That's it, just one pig. Even more so if it's being sold at a market. No, I don't really understand. But basically, if we take that and say, okay, well, 2,000 pigs times $1,000, my maths is correct, that's $2 million in today. That's, that's just today, right? We can sort of grasp that idea. Now, no wonder these people might have been a little upset at Jesus if that's like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, if we're being real for a second, if Jesus just came and like, I'll take $2 million off you and like push it over the cliff, you'd probably be a bit like, <laughs> okay, Jesus. In their minds, Jesus had just cost them $2 million. Like, who's this Jesus guy? They probably would have rather the demon-possessed man stay demon-possessed so they could keep their pigs. In their minds, Jesus had just cost them something. And this is where things begin to get worse. Because in their own worldly disappointment, a resentment began to develop. In their own worldly, fleshly, temporal disappointment, a resentment against Jesus began to develop in their hearts that resulted in them saying, go away. Go away. We don't want you here. They had lost sight of the miracle that had happened. Like God, Jesus had just done an incredible miracle. But they weren't focused on that. That's not what they were looking at. They were looking at their pigs that they had lost. They weren't focused on what, you know, on, the, on what Jesus was trying to do. They were focused on their own, yeah, you've healed the man, but what about this? Right. And, and it's crazy how Jesus just leaves. He just gets in his boat and leaves. He doesn't stay and try to convince them. No, like, he doesn't try to reason with them. He just leaves. And he goes on, and in Mark chapter 6, we see him heal the woman with the blood issue, raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. Like, Jesus continues healing, setting people free, miracles, but we never hear about the Gerasene people again. Are we willing to allow Jesus to dispose of our pigs if he sees fit but still, and still trust in him that, you know what? I've got to trust you, Jesus, because I can't do this without you and not allow that resentment to build up. Because it's easy to let that resentment build up, especially when Jesus is working in and through other people 
that maybe you don't feel like Jesus should be working through? How many miracles do we miss because we're focused on the temporal? How many miracles do we miss because we're focused on the natural? When God's up in heaven saying, I'm so not focused on the temporal, bro. I'm so not focused on the, on the natural. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. When the natural and the supernatural come into contact with one another, something has to shift. And I tell you what, it won't be the supernatural that shifts. It'll be the natural every single time. Every time. Let's have a recap of Jesus' miracle roadmap up until this point in the book of Mark. Chapter 1, Jesus casts out demons. He heals many people. He cleanses lepers. Chapter 2, he heals a paralytic. Chapter 3, he heals a man with a withered hand. Chapter 5, he casts out more demons, heals the woman with the blood issue, raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. And then you know what happens next? Jesus goes to Nazareth and gets, and it says that he cannot, he cannot, work, he cannot work miracles in his hometown. Right? So here we have story after story of where Jesus is on his ministry journey doing miracle after miracle after miracle, but he encounters resistance. In Nazareth, he, he encounters um, like familiarity. People that are just, oh, who, this Joseph's boy. This is Mary's son. He can, who's that? Can't move. The Garrison people. You, oh, you, you, like, you, you cost us $2 million. You cost us our pigs. Get out of here. What we focus on, what, what are we focused on? What are we looking at every day? I would always rather be on the side of praying and believing and trusting in God for the breakthrough and for the prosperity and for the <clears throat> blessing and it not come than just simply kind of giving up and not believing and like, well, Jesus like doesn't do that or whatever. Like, I don't have faith for that. What are we focused on? What are we focused on? I've got five quick thoughts about how what we focus on really determines some important things. And this is not an exhaustive list, but number one, what we focus on determines what we create more of. You create more of the things that you focus on. What, what, what do you reap? What's the fruit of the things that you're prioritising and focusing on? What we focus on determines our mission. Jesus was always 100% focused on his mission. Are we focused on our mission? Seek and save that which was lost. Number three, what we focus on determines how we respond. I remember one of my high school teachers had this quote up in our classroom. And I remember thinking, that's a really good quote. And so I'm going to read it to you right now because it's good. It says, life is 10% what happens and 90% how you respond to it. How will we respond? I believe that what we are focusing on, what our attention is set on, 
will play a major part in our response to things that happen in our life. What we focus on, number four, what we focus on determines our ability to see Jesus. If we're getting distracted, if we're filling our lives with other things, like it, it, it impacts our ability to see Jesus, to see him moving in our everyday life. And number five, what we focus on determines our perception. Our perception. I'm going to unpack that a little bit. So I really believe that a lot of the things that distract us from maybe what Jesus is wanting to do aren't bad things. Like they're not sins a lot of the time. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. It wasn't a sin for the Gerasene people to have the pigs. It wasn't a sin for them to have the pigs and to manage the pigs and do what they wanted to do with the pigs. It wasn't a sin. But when the pigs became a bigger focus than Jesus, that's when things start to go bad. There are things in our lives, they're not sin, they're not necessarily bad things, but they become bigger focuses than Jesus. And that's when things can tend to go bad. It's not about pigs, it's about our perception and our perspective, uh, about our ability, it's about our ability to be aware of when things may start becoming a distraction. We have to be aware of when maybe something is beginning to take a place in our life that was only ever meant for Jesus. We never want to find ourselves in that place like I talked about before where the Gerasene people probably would have rather that demon-possessed man to just stay demon-possessed out there. Let us keep our pigs, keep our thing that's going on, whatever. It's just one guy. We can... But Jesus leaves the 99 for the one guy. He'll leave and go and find the one guy. Maybe you feel like you're the one guy that people have sort of, whatever. We can afford to lose him, you know. We can afford to let him just go and be demon-possessed. As long as it doesn't mess with us too much. Maybe you feel like you're that person. Or maybe you feel like you're one of the people that has been saying, that's all right, we can lose them. They can... I believe today God wants to shift some things. Is that He wants to shift some things. He wants to shift our perspective. He wants to shift our mentality. He wants to shift some things in your heart, young people. He wants to shift some things in your minds, in your spirit. He wants to shift some things. He wants to shift some things in the spirit today. Now watch this, right? Earlier in the passage that we read, it says that the demon-possessed man lived among the tombs. Back in 
those days, and even in today's world too, oftentimes the tombs, the, the, the cemetery, right, on the outskirts of the town, it's removed from the community. Hello. It said he lived among the tombs. Hanging around a bunch of tombs by yourself is never a good idea. Can we just all agree on that? This guy was asking for trouble. I don't know the circumstances that led him out to the tombs. But I dare say that if he hadn't have gone out to the tombs, whatever, let's move on. This guy wasn't aware of his surroundings. And perhaps, just perhaps, the demons and the enemy drove him out to where the tombs were in order to get the man isolated where he'd be more vulnerable compared to if he had stayed in the community. Right? Where he was, the position, the environment he found himself in had a direct impact on his spiritual and physical everything. Everything. What's that quote? Show me who you're hanging around with. I'll show you your future. This is why it's so important to be part of church community. Can we take a minute to talk about this? is why, don't get me wrong, I love church online. I'm all for church online and utilizing technology and tools to reach out and see the kingdom of God. And, you know, I know that we've been limited and whatever, whatever. But here's the bottom line. If you can attend church in person, attend church in person. That's it. Full stop, exclamation mark. Right? If you can be here in the room, you need to be here in the room. Do not forsake the gathering together. You've got to be here. I don't, like, even if it means you have to come in your Ugg boots and track, like, whatever. Just get here. Just get here. We'll, whatever, just get here. Because it's when we get into a place of isolation and we're hanging around the tombs and the... The, the people, the other people that hang around in the tombs and it begins to get in us and that's when, that's when the, I believe that that's right where the enemy wants us. If he can get us isolated, if he can get us distracted and isolated. No, let, let's not use COVID as an excuse, Right? Let's not use COVID as an excuse to not be in the building, to not gather together. And we talked earlier about how Jesus had to cross over the storm to get to the Gerasene people where this was all going, going down. to get to where the next the next thing and maybe you feel like maybe you feel like you're in the midst of a storm or maybe you feel like you're on an island somewhere and Jesus is nowhere to be seen but something that I take out of this story that I would just want to encourage you with I hope it encourages you is that healings and miracles often follow after a storm. That's what happens. There was the storm that Jesus had to pass through and then there was a miracle. So if you're in a storm right now, 
if you feel like you're in a storm, maybe your miracle is just around the corner. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not God, just in case you didn't know that. But maybe it's just around the corner this morning. Maybe it's here today. Miracles, breakthroughs, I believe, often come even in the midst of a storm. What's what's Psalms say? He is our strong tower in the battle. Not from the battle. He's not going to pick us up and take us out of the battle. In the battle, He is our stronghold. In the storm, in the challenge, in whatever it is that is taking away our faith or our, our ability to see Jesus, it's in those moments that He promises to strengthen us. It's in the battle. It's in the storm. He will shift our perspective and help us see clearly. It's like, and that's, that's, if that's all he does, that's everything. Even if the physical circumstances around us don't change, in, the, in our heart, in our spirit, in the battle, he'll bring that and that is all we need. He doesn't need to change the physical circumstance. Can he? Absolutely. Should we believe for it? 100% yes. Is it what our faith is tied to? Absolutely not. Our faith is not tied to the outworkings of God. Our faith is tied to God. Now, does that mean we don't believe for the miracles and the power of the Holy Spirit to touch people? Absolutely not. 100% yes, we do. But we don't get distracted like the Gerasene people got distracted when things don't go our way, when we're, what we're looking at, when we're looking at Jesus and his word, and in community, and we're not hanging around the tombs. Stop hanging around the tombs. Get away from the tombs. Get away from the tombs. Jesus, in Mark 4, 35 to to 41, we see Jesus in the storm, going to the Gerasene place. But then, and in Mark 5, 1, we see the healing of the demon-possessed man. This is the thing. And this is, I'm going to finish with this if the band wants to come. Jesus will push through the storm to get to you. He will. He did it for this guy. He did it time and time again in the Bible and he will do it for you. He will push through the storm to get to you. No matter who you are or where you are. Jesus crossed the storm of sin to get to us. He crossed the storm that was sin to get to us so that we then could be in right standing and right relationship with him. But it's up to us are we going to, how are we going to respond? Whether this is your first time ever in church, you're like, who's this young guy yelling at me? Or whether this is your, you know, oh, it's just Greg. Um, how are we going to respond 
whether it's receiving the gift of salvation or whether it's receiving the gift of a miracle or a healing. How are we going to respond? Are we going to be like the garrison people and be like, this is really inconvenient and you've cost me things and I didn't, how funny is that? You've cost me things, bro. <laughs> you know what costs something to follow Jesus? Everyone over like 20, for, I don't know. It's like, yeah, <laughs> anyone that's lived long enough with Jesus knows that it, it, there's a cost to following Jesus. And we're not going to get into that too much. That's a whole other sermon. But are we going to be willing to pay the cost? Because I'll tell you, the garrison people weren't. And we never heard from them ever again. They rejected Jesus. Never heard. The rich young ruler wasn't willing to pay the cost. Never heard of him again. Are we going to be willing and able to pay the, pay the cost to follow Jesus? How will we respond this morning? Why don't we all stand together? And God, right now in this place as I pray, why don't you close your eyes, just begin to focus in, lift your hands if you need, if you want, just whatever it is that you need to do to just focus on God right now in this moment. God, I pray right now, every person under the sound of my voice, whether it's online or in the room, God, if this, if this is the first moment that someone is hearing about you and what it means to live a life following you and what it means to put trust in you and gleaning from this story in Mark 5 and trying to learn something from it, God, I pray right now in this place that if this is speaking to someone right now, God, if you're working right now, God, have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way. Holy Spirit, sweep through this place now. We don't want to miss what you're doing. We don't want to miss a miracle because we're distracted. So let's focus now, church. Let's focus in on Him. Come on, let's focus in on Him. Whatever it is you need to do, whether you need to lift your hands, come down the front, kneel down, whatever it is you need to do, just for the next, can we, can we for the next few minutes just focus in on the Holy Spirit right now? He wants to move. He wants to shift things. Come on. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do right now. of God, let the, the wind of God, the supernatural wind of God come through this place, the fire of God, the, the, the river of living water sweep through this place right now, touch every heart, touch every heart, touch every heart, shift things, do what only you can do, Lord.
away. He's never far away. He's never far away. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's in his presence. It's in his presence that we find all that we need. It's in his presence. It's not in anything else. It's not in the pigs. It's in his presence. It's in his presence. about how he is the stronghold in the battle. Some of you are in a battle today. Some of you have been in a battle for weeks, months, years, decades. Today's the day that God wants to reveal to you that he is your stronghold in the battle. He's not far from you and you will see a victory. You will see breakthrough. The, 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 the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords work in your life if you trust Him to be your stronghold in the battle. In the battle. So come on, why don't we worship this morning as we finish off. Let's worship and praise the one who is going to bring the victory in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, lift your hands, church. Lift your hands. Let's worship Him this morning. Come on, let's sing.